So we, as uh, Daryl had mentioned, we've been in this series called With, and it's taken from the book With. We don't often do that, but we were, as a staff, we read through this book, and we're really, it was a profound book because it really brought to, to the, the forefront how often many of us have a kind of relationship with God, but it's not a healthy one, and it's not, it's not a biblical one. And so, you know, it looks like this, just kind of in review. Some people have this under-God view that they feel like they have to do things exactly right, and they have to follow the rules. And if they follow the rules, then, then life will go well, and if they don't follow the rules, then God's just waiting there to kind of smack them. And, you know, there's a lot of people that have that view of God. And I ask people, I say, as you think of God, if you could picture His face, is He smiling or is He angry? And, and it's amazing how many people, not just people, Christians say, He's angry with me. Or this idea of over God. And, and this is not just over God, we're over God, but we're over God. You know, we don't need Him anymore. And we're a sophisticated society and... We, we, we now have science. We now know more. We don't, we don't have to pray to the gods of, of, of the, the weather. We know how the weather works. We can't predict it, but we know how it works, you know? Uh, we, we know how life works, and science will figure it out, right? And so we don't really have... A, there may be... It may be. We may see that there are principles in this universe that if we follow those principles and God laid those principles, whoever God is, so maybe we, we'd include God, but ultimately we don't really need Him. So under God, over God, from God. And that's the idea that where I shared a number of weeks ago where I said, you know, sometimes we view God as, as this cosmic vending machine. He's there when we need Him. You know, It's like when we're in trouble, we cry out, God, help me! You know, Peter on the boat, he's thinking, God, Jesus, help me! You know, and it, and, and that's kind of how we see Him, is that we put, we put our money in and we pull the, the lever and God gives us what we ask for. And, and, and there are many Christians that have that. And then uh, last week Mark talked about the four relationship. And this is the one that really looks very Christian. And it's, I'm doing this for God. I, I'm, I'm here this morning for God. I, I give my money for, for God. I serve in children's ministry for God. I... Just fill in the blank. I do this for God. And it looks very Christian. I do all these things for God. But here's the thing. I'm never really with God. And I think I pointed out this whole Mary-Martha situation where, where Martha was doing all this preparation for this meal and preparing it. And she got very frustrated with her sister Mary. And, and she, said, she said to Jesus, well, will you, why don't you tell Mary to help me because I'm doing this for you. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Mary's chosen the best thing. She wants to be with me. So we can get very close and do a lot of things for God and think that's the same as being with God. It's not. It's not. So what does it mean to be with God? And really that's asking the first question is, why are you seeking Him in the first place? Are we seeking Him for what He can do for us? Or do we just want to be with Him? Now, let me, let me bring this down to maybe more of a personal level. So I just want to talk to those of you who are married or who have been married, and you can picture this. And I want to spe- specifically talk to those of you that are husbands. And I want to ask you a question. Why did you marry your wife? Why did you marry her? Did you marry her because she was physically attractive? And you said, wait a minute. 
when she's standing next to me, everybody's going to go, wow, he must be something because he doesn't look like much. But next to her, (laughs) he must have money. He must know. And, And you're sitting there going, yeah, look at me. I don't know how I did it either. She was crazy, but... But I feel good about who I am because look at her, right? Some of you married for that. Maybe you married because she was rich and you wanted to ride on her coattails and some of you are nodding, no, that's not why I married her. Maybe she had connections that would help you in your career. Or maybe, and hopefully this was the reason, you just said, you know, I just want to be with her. This is a person I could picture being with. And you know, think about a relationship a relationship is, uh, it's a sad relationship when two people have been married for 15 or 20 or 30 years and they realize they have nothing in common and they really haven't been with each other. They've been doing things for each other and kind of around each other, but they've never really been with each other. But the best relationships are the ones where you look at each other at 10, 15, 20, 30 years and you say, There's, you know, I, I, what a ride we've been on. It hasn't been always easy, but we have been with one another. Now, I know I haven't gone long enough because some of you think, well, what about us who have been 40 or 50? Well, yeah, there you go. I'm not there, so I don't know what that's like. But you do. And that's what we're talking about. And so when we talk about having a relationship with God and being with God, that's what we're talking about. And sadly, it seems as though many Christians don't know what that looks like and how to get there. And it really comes to one thing. You treasure it. And I hope you as a husband treasure your wife. That she's very valuable in your life. And you treasure her and you want to be with her. And you would do anything for her. And when you have that attitude, you you begin to understand what it is to be with someone. So the question I ask you again is, what is the one thing that you value over everything else? Some of you may say, it's my kids. It's my career, it's my wife, my husband, whatever. Um, I want to talk about three things because that's Jesus is a lot about treasure. Here's the first thing he says, that life with God, when we want to be with God, comes to us when we treasure Him. We, we know that we've made a transition when we treasure God rather than use Him. And see, that's, that's, there's a really subtle thing in all of these prepositions. In every one of these prepositions that, we, uh, that I've talked about, we're really using God. We're trying to control or manipulate. We can't, but we think we can, so we, we attempt to do that. But when we just don't really want anything from God other than to be with Him, that changes the whole relationship. So Jesus talked about this treasure in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44. He said, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered in a, hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered the pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. And so here's the question. Jesus basically says, every one of us, every one of us has this, this, this pearl of great value that we're looking for or this treasure that we, 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 we're, we're hoping to find one day. The question is, what is that? 
What is that in your life? What is it that you would give everything to possess? And here's what I found, and maybe you found it too. That I believe every one of us has this desire for this treasure. I believe every one of us has this this inner emptiness, this spiritual void, whatever you want to call it. And there are treasures. There are things that we look for that we try to fill those with. Sometimes it's a relationship. We say, there's this, there's this, this that we, we, we're, we're like a dog chasing a car. We're, we'll find that one relationship. And when we find that one relationship, we'll find our treasure. Or we'll have a family and we'll settle down and I'll have a family and I'll raise kids. And these kids are going to grow up and they're going to be these perfect little angels with little halos over their head. And then they get to be about two or three. And you realize the halos have gone a long time ago. And you, you, they're, they're, not, they're, they're a treasure, but they're not the treasure, right? Right? Or that relationship with that perfect man or that perfect woman, and you realize, hey, they're good, they're really good, but it's not the treasure. Or that career, and we go out after that career, and we, we have accomplishments in that, but yeah, this is good, but it's not the treasure. It's not the treasure. It's not the ultimate treasure. There's only one thing that can be that treasure. And that's what this parable is about. There's only one thing that can satisfy our wandering hearts. There's only one thing that can fill our souls. There's only one thing that can can take the void out of our lives and give us... It's Jesus. It's God. And when Jesus becomes our treasure, we find everything we need. Being with Him becomes our greatest treasure. With Him we find joy and peace and love and hope and purpose and meaning. We, we find everything. When we get Him, we get everything we've been looking for. We get everything our longing hearts have been asking for. second thing we see is this. Life with God comes when we are united to Him through Christ. You see, this union with with God, this being with God, can only begin when we come through Christ. See, you, you can't you can't just because then we have all these definitions of who God is and what he is and what he is like. And the Bible clearly says that, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and God created us with a purpose and meaning and God sent his son Jesus Christ to earth to die on a cross because we are sinners and we're lost and we're helpless and we're hopeless and we need a savior and we can't save ourselves. That's what the Bible says whether you like it or not. And Jesus is I'm the way the truth and the life and no one can come and be in relationship with the father apart from me. So there has to be this this connection through Christ. And it's more than just knowing who Jesus is because there are a lot of people who say, Jesus, we did this and we did this and we did this and we did it all in Your name. And Jesus I don't know You. You have never been with Me. Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new creature. The old is gone. The new life has begun. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. That's what the role of Hope Church is. We, we have a tagline and we say, helping people connect with God. If we were to adapt what Paul is saying, we say, helping people become reconciled to God through Jesus Christ His Son. That's our goal. That's what we're 
about. That's everything of our mission rolls off of that. And then he says, For God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. You see, what Paul is saying is, we are the ambassadors. We are the ones that are bringing the message of reconciliation. We are the ones telling them there is hope for those who are suffering from the disease of sin and the consequences of sin, which is death, eternal separation from God. We are the ones, we are the ambassadors that bring that message. We speak of for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be an offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. You see, what Jesus did is He removed the barrier of sin and death that separates us from God. Through faith in Christ, we are united with Christ and we now have the capacity to be with God. You see, here's what's happening. God made the first move to us. See, we love Him. Why? Because He first loved us. And from our perspective, it seems as like we made the first move. Like, right? We wanted Jesus. and We wanted salvation. We wanted to have our sins forgiven. We needed a Savior. We understood that. But it was His first move. Here's what I'm finding, though. Often people see the Gospel as merely a way to get to heaven. And sadly... Pastors like me have shared a message saying, trust Jesus and you get to go to heaven and not have to go to hell. And, and that's the, the extent of it. And people are, are you know, thinking, well, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. So I'll trust in Jesus. But I don't really know what I'm doing now. Can I say this? Jesus didn't die on the cross so that for, only for the person that you go to heaven. Some people think that let me, let me say it a little stronger. Earth is not the waiting room for heaven. Earth is not the waiting room for heaven. Some people say, okay, I'm saved. Uh, don't know what I'm doing now. Waiting. Waiting for Him to return or me to die. Don't know what I'm supposed to do. It's like the doctor's office. You know, you go to the big waiting room. You're on time in the doctor's office. And then you wait with other people who are waiting to get the call, right? And you get the call. You say, hey, my turn. What do they do? They put you in another waiting room, alone. And what are you doing? You're waiting for the doctor. You didn't bring a magazine in. You have nothing to read. So you're looking at the table and the paper and the the chart of some digestion system. And you're going, I guess that's me on the inside. And you're saying, well, maybe I should learn about that or something. And you don't know what you're doing. And all of a sudden, the doctor pops in and says, okay, it's time. Here we go, right? Some people view earth, that's it. I, I know Jesus. Now I'm just kind of waiting and waiting for the doctor. to. Sh- when's he going to show up? Here's what you need to understand. Jesus did not come and, to save you from your sins so that you could wait till he comes again. He wants you to, Jesus said, I have come that they might, you might have life, abundant life here and now. That you could be with God now, just like you're going to be with God in heaven. And I'm finding a lot of Christians don't get that, and they're not experiencing that. And the third point is why I think that's happening. Here it is. Life with God comes to us when we practice His presence. 
Uh, Mark uh, last week talked about the, the experience of the Apostle Paul. And he basically said, you know, and, and that's what happens too when you you're do things for God, but you're not really being directed by the Word of God. There's a lot of people out there that are, they feel like they're doing things for God, but they're not being directed by the Word of God. Paul persecuted the church. He was, he was dragging them out and getting them thrown into jail and getting them whipped. And he would lay his head on his pillow at night saying, God, that hasn't been a good day. I've got these, 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 uh, these uh, heretics and, 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 and I'm cleaning out the people of God. I'm getting the heretics out. I'm, I'm doing that. And God met with Paul and he said to Paul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul did a 180. He says this in Philippians. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infant value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. What Paul is saying here is I was doing things for God, but I never knew Him For His sake I have discarded everything, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with Him. What Paul is talking about is this idea of having a relationship with God. We often see prayer as communication and with God, and it certainly is. But what we're talking about, what Paul is talking about, what Jesus did is practicing the presence of God. When we look at Jesus, there were certainly times in his life where he prayed. Absolutely. But there were also times where he would go off by himself so that he could just be with his Father. And that's pretty significant. So we need to balance, because I think we get the part of prayer that says, Prayer is communication with God. We get that. But I don't know if we get the part where we, we understand that prayer is communion with God. It's spending time with Him. Jesus said this, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by Himself. He only does what He sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does. And Jesus is referring to those times where He just spent time with the Father. He got away from the world. He got quiet with God. He spent, and those were essential times in his life. What we're talking about here is constant connection with God. Paul calls it prayer without praying without ceasing. Have you ever heard that verse, pray without ceasing? You go, how am I supposed to do that? I mean, seriously, I mean, I have to have a conversation with people sometimes. I just think, time out, God, I've got to stop this prayer. Do you understand what I'm talking about? When you read that verse, you pray without ceasing. What does that mean? That, that's talking about this whole constant connection, this communion with God, the, practicing the presence of God, Brother Lawrence called it. Abiding with Christ. He's divine. We're the branches. You see, we need to pray, see prayer as more than just communication, but it's constant communion with God. Now, why don't we connect with God? Why do we struggle in trying to connect with God? This is what I want to close with. Augustine said, Thou hast formed me for thyself, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in thee. God has made himself 
the only thing that can satisfy our longing hearts. And we don't generally believe that because if we did, we would pursue hard after God. But what do we do? We pursued hard after relationship because we say, what, this, what I really need is this relationship. Or what I really need is this family. Or what I really need is this career. Or what, and, and we, part of us knows that that's probably not going to do it. But we're having such a hard time connecting with God. We don't know how to do it that we go, well, I got to do something here. And how can, here's the thing, and, and this is another rub we have. We say, okay, Matt, I hear you saying that we need to have this constant connection with God, that we need to experience the presence of God, we need to abide with Him, we need to pray without ceasing, all that stuff. But here's the problem. Theologically, the Bible says that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. So He's here right now, and when we leave, He's with us in our cars. He's with us in our uh, workplaces. He's with us no matter where we are. He's with us. So what are you talking about? I mean, if He's there, then He's present there with us. So, but have you ever done this? Have you ever been in a room... (laughs) And other people have been there, and either they weren't present or you weren't present there. Like, you just... And here's, here's the point, I think, that we miss. And I'll close, and I know I said this twice, but... I think that what we're missing is this. That God is not going to twist our arms. He's not going to grab us by the collars and say, I'm here, acknowledge me. He's going to wait for us to pursue Him. He wants to be pursued. He wants to be sought after. He wants us to stop what we're doing, to set some time and margin aside so we can be quiet, so that we can hear His voice. And sometimes we'll hear His voice through the Word. Sometimes we'll hear His voice through others. Many times we'll hear it in silence, quietness, where we just say, God, I I just want to be with You. I want you to speak to me. I want you to make your presence real to me right now. But, but, but here's the thing. If we go on with our busy, loud life, and we never create margin, we never stop, and we never, then we'll never hear Him. And that, I think... Now, now you say, well, wait a minute. Where does it say in Scripture that we are to pursue God? Well, it says it all over Scripture. In fact, Psalm 105.4 says, Search for the Lord and for His strength. Continually seek Him. Jeremiah 29.13 says, You will seek Me and find Me when you seek Me with all your heart. I just want to ask you, when's the last time that you sought God with all your heart? Where you said, This is my treasure. This is my priority. I have to... Push things aside because this is more important than I be quiet with God. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and He rewards those who seek Him. So there's two verbs there. One says that those who draw near to Him and those that seek Him will be rewarded with His presence. One of the reasons we don't experience the presence of God is because we don't create time and margin and we don't, we, and I get we don't know what we're supposed to do, but just try it. Just try it. Just create some margin. Create some time. 
Uh, Notice what it says in James. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. In other words, God is not going to get in your face any more than any other relationship. Uh, Again, go back to the, the most important human relationship you have. You have to pursue those. You have to create margin. Any marriage relationship requires that you say, let's do lunch, let's spend time together, let's carve out some time in our busy schedule so that we can be together, right? <laughs> and marriages suffer if you don't do that. Well, it's the same thing. It's, it's not rocket science. All we have to do is say, God, I'm not creating, I'm not carving out time to be with you. And so no, no wonder I don't know what it means to be with you. I think the reason we aren't experiencing the presence of God is because we aren't seeking after Him. Until we take time to be quiet, set aside time and effort to pursue Him, we'll fail to know what it really means to be with Him. If Jesus and being with God is the most important treasure that we could possibly have, doesn't it seem like we ought to do everything we can to be with Him? Jesus wants us wants to be with us, but only as we create margin. You know, one of the verses that we often misuse in Scripture, I've done it so many times, but this is what it really means. Book of Revelation, chapter 3. This is Jesus speaking. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And we will share a meal together as friends. Jesus is saying, I'm just waiting for you to open the door. I'm not going to kick the door open. I'm going to knock. And until you open the door, I'm outside. So that's kind of where we're at. The psalmist closes and says this, Oh, the joys of those who follow the... Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand in this, around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night, allowing God's Word to affirm, affect, speak to you. Why not take Psalm 1 this week and just say, God, I'm going to create some margin. I'm going to just... Meditate on a passage of Scripture and I'm just going to be in your presence. I'm going to get away from the world, get away from the noise, get away from the ruckus and be with you. I believe that if we begin to do that, we will experience the presence of God and we will understand what it is to know Him. And we will find all those things that we desperately need in our lives. May God help us to be with God. Stand up. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you want to be with us and you made the first move. And that through Jesus Christ, we can be not only reconciled to you, but we can also be with you. That though you are with us always, we sometimes leave you standing at the door knocking. We ask, Father, that you would make us mindful of that picture. That we would create margin and space so that we can allow the greatest treasure that we have in the universe to be a central part of our time daily. May we walk with you as you walk with us, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.